0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
1: Good morning! Yeah, yeah, yeah! Yeah, yeah.
2: It's time to wake up. (laughs) It's 5 we're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show. Your early morning shot of sports on 95.7 The Game. Come on.
3: like for today on the pregame show 95 7 the game leading you up until six o'clock is the morning roast will take you until 10 hope everybody had a fantastic memorial day weekend i know i did now i did come in here working yesterday with uh dan devone and whitey gleason who were kind enough to fill in for the morning roast yesterday but in case you wanted an update on my weekend what did i do well Made sure to watch the finale of Mayor of Easttown. And then last night, saw Cruella. And saw it in theater. Went to a movie theater for the first time. We're slowly getting back to normal, day by day. And if you feel comfortable enough, I recommend you go to a movie theater if that is one of the places you missed. Because uh, second to sporting events, hell, it might have even been first to sporting events at the time. But uh, I miss going to a movie theater, man. I missed going to a movie theater. Didn't like paying for the movies, paying like, you know, $25, $30. Like, I wasn't, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to pay $25, $30 to have it in my living room when I could just go to the movie theater. Well, now that can happen. And shout out to Cruella, by the way. Great movie. Soundtrack even sicker. Uh, I do want to get to the Giants today because this team, they remain hot. And my main question today is, At Triple Eight, nine five seven, nine five seven zero, about the Giants. What is the ceiling for this team? Is this the type of team that could win the division? Or is this just, well, you know, maybe they could get where they're at right now, which is uh, the first wild card spot. Maybe they could do that and then try and squeak their way into the playoffs that way. But what's their ceiling? I want to know from you at 888-957-9570 because they got a big 6-1 to win over the Angels continuing their streak against LA teams as they had the four-game series against the Dodgers over the weekend. And before we get to the game against the Angels, I do want to talk about that series against the Dodgers in general. That was a dominant series by the Giants. Now, the second game got a little hairy. Now, we know, we know what happened toward the end of the second game there. And, and look, they've made it scary these past couple of games. I mean, Jake McGee, that is the scariest human being on the planet right now when it comes to the Giants. Whenever that dude strolls out to the mound, it is going to be a journey. It is going to be torture. But what they did against the Dodgers over the weekend proved to me number 1 that they can hang with these teams that they can i was a little nervous after they got uh, after they got swept at home i was a little nervous cuz i i I, did, I didn't know what to make of them you know because they've been hot to start out the season and it's looked really good and i don't know what their uh, what their end game here is i don't know what it's going to look like by the time game 162 rolls around and we get uh and we get into the month of october i don't know what the giants record is going to be looking like but right now I do know that they're one of the hottest teams in baseball, but after they got swept by the Dodgers, I was just thinking like you, you know they're a good team, but they're not in that top tier. But then <laughs> four games later after that Dodgers uh, the, the Dodgers weekend, I'm thinking about it a little differently. Maybe this team is good, but I do want to focus specifically on Friday with everything that went down with the Giants because Friday night's game was absolutely insane, but it was capped off uh, by this catch when Albert Pujols came to the plate and Mike Talkman was in left field and Albert Pujols did what Albert Pujols does, which is just give an, put an effortless swing on the ball, pull it to left field, and it looks like it's going to go over the fence every time whenever he skies it. But here is the call for what happened on Friday night. And this
1: one is caught by Talkman. He robbed him! Albert Pujols came that close, and he may just be finding out right now. That that was not a home run.
3: <laughs> the look, the look on Pujols' face with his. Freshly groomed goatee. You'll never see a cleaner goatee than that of Albert Pujols uh, from that Friday night. I'll, I'll tell you what. And I, I know the. I'll tell you what, man. And I know the Dodgers aren't paying the entirety of uh, Pujols' salary that he had with the Angels. They're only paying him like a half a million dollars or something like that for a year, and the Angels are taking up the rest of that contract that they gave him—that gigantic contract that absolutely was not worth it. But the Giants would go on to win this game 8-5, to and I will say that that catch, for me, look, Gregor Blanco's, it was amazing when Matt Cain was going for the perfect game, and it feels like you always have to have that one catch, you know? That one beautiful play. I go back to Mark Burley. What year was that? Mark 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 Burley, what was that back in the? It was in the middle of the aughts. It was two thousand six through two thousand eight, whatever it was. But when Mark Burley threw his perfect game, and Dwayne Wise in center field uh, made that catch to rob a home run to save not only a run but to also save a hit. I mean, those catches they'll always go down in history. But this one for me, I mean, this has to be one of the best. Regular season catches that I've ever seen. One of the best defensive plays in the regular season that I've ever seen. Because I, I'm, I, I can't put it, uh, uh, I can't put it up against that uh, game seven against the Royals in 2014 when Panic and Crawford uh, went for the double play. They called it safe, and then Bruce Bochy gave the first challenge in World Series history, and uh, they ended up reversing the call, called it out, and it ended up being a double play that helped save the game. I, I can't put it above that one just because of the ramifications there. But Talkman's catch and left from Friday night. Now, we will actually get to more recent Giants talk, but I do just want to say, how symbolic was that catch with the Giants versus the Dodgers and their whole relationship, right? One of the best players that we've ever seen in this generation, Albert Pujols—he's one of the greats, Hall of Famer—been uh, one of my favorite players. You know, ever since he came up with the Cardinals, like back in you know 2001, that's kind of my wheelhouse. You know what I mean? Like, like uh, that's what I started getting into baseball. So I've been paying attention to Albert Pujols ever since he was a rookie, and seeing him on that Friday night added to the Dodgers, and it just feels like the Dodgers have an embarrassment of riches. Right, They're always bringing in players. If a big name is out there and they're a free agent, then the Dodgers are always the number one team. But how symbolic was it where Pujols used his power, damn near got it over the left field wall, or did get it over the left field wall, and Talkman somehow snags it back in? How symbolic was it that it's the Dodgers doing that against the Giants? It feels like it's a metaphor for the season. You know, the Dodgers are going to mostly out-hit you. They got more power than you. They got bigger names than you. But the Giants are going to continue to remain resilient, doing it with the unknowns. You have an Albert Pujols who's in his late 30s, one of the most recognizable faces and names in baseball. And then you got this Mike Talkman guy who was traded. For Wandy Peralta and a player to be named later at the end of last month, and he's you know 30 years old, not a very well known name. If you're a Yankee fan, you might uh, you, you might know who Mike Talkman is, but not a lot of fans have heard of him. And somehow he was keeping the Giants in it, and that set the tone for the rest of the weekend. Look, I, I just thought that that catch was major, huge. And it was, it was just a great catch, an overall great play, and a great game. It was a great game. Now, granted, it shouldn't have gotten to that point where Albert Pruels is almost going to hit a home run. But, man, it, it, it's, it's, it's going to be hard when we're at the end of September, when we're at Game 162, depending on where the Giants are at. But if they are in a place of success, they're actually in the running for the playoffs, it's going to be hard... Not to look back at this specific game and say that this catch was the turning point for the season. This catch was the one that proved, hey, we're still fighting in this. Because there's some times against the Dodgers where it just looked like the Giants gave up. You know, it it, it looked like the Giants just, it it, it just looked like they knew that they had no chance against the, the stacked Dodgers team. Yeah that's how it used to be but this year it's different and there's something that the Giants are doing this year that's better than any other team and we'll get to all of that coming up today because look they're playing an incredibly clean brand of baseball that is the way that I would describe this year so far if I had to uh, to put one word on it I would put clean now Granted, it's gotten scary at times. You know, the bullpen has been suspect, but for the most part, their starting pitching, their defense, and then their bullpen has performed on most days. There have just been a few games where the bullpen uh, may have given up a rudder here, or a run here and there. But the lineup, even though they're not hitting for average as well as these other teams, they're second in the league in home runs right now. And that's what happened yesterday in this game against the Angels. And we'll get to that next, because there is one stat for the Giants out of all of them that shocked me the most. And no, it's not the fact that they are second in home runs, but it's something that happened to the Giants yesterday, or to the Angels, rather, in yesterday's game. That the Giants haven't done very much of this season. And I think that's, uh, it, it, it represents how clean they've been playing this year. Triple eight, nine, five, seven, nine, five, seven, zero from the 415. We saw Cruella at the drive in, totally agree. The soundtrack was a banger. That's the lawman in the four one five or the lawman. Then also another four one five, uh four one five number, I asked, what is the ceiling for this Giants team? And for the four one five, the sky is the ceiling. Well, the main reason I asked that question is I want to get a gauge on it now because as we are heading into the month of June, they got the first two months out of the way. They're looking like one of the best teams in baseball, but the Padres, they've continued to stay hot. They look like actually the best team in baseball right now, and it seems like these teams in the National League West are going to be the ones who are headlining uh, the 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 power rankings going forward. So I want to know from you what is the ceiling for this Giants team? Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. And I'm telling you, that soundtrack for Cuella was sick. It was sick. A friend of mine described it as it, it kind of like Scorsese where it's just song after song after song after song, songs that fit the movie real well. Highly recommend that if you are going to go to the theater at some point soon and you feel comfortable enough, uh, Cruella is worth the money, if you feel like you can. 888 that's the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. But coming up next, my one stat for this Giants team that surprised me the most out of all of them. We'll get to that next. a 957 9570 Steve Langford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game.
2: Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Hey.
3: Yeah. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. As it stands, the Giants are thirty-four and twenty. They lead the NL West over the San Diego Padres, who are a half game back at 34 and 21. And the Dodgers are two games back at 32 and 22. And as it stands right now, whoo the Giants, I mean, they have a plus 69 run differential, which is huge. Run differential is a big indicator as to how this team is playing. And to be honest, it's always the Dodgers that are up at the top. Last year in that 60-game season, the Dodgers were ahead of everybody by a huge margin as far as run differential. So right now, the Giants are at plus 69. But... um what they did against the Angels yesterday, after that long, grueling series uh, against the Dodgers, that was needed. That was a that was a big series win yester. Uh, excuse me, that was a big series win over the Dodgers on the weekend, and that was a big game yesterday against the Angels. They just don't seem to show to show any signs of slowing down. That's what's <laughs> that's what's crazy to me because yesterday. I mean, you did it again where you had good starting pitching. Johnny Cueto finally ever since making his return from the IL, having a good start. I mean, he had a a sub-2 ERA in the first few games of the season. Then he went on the IL and came back. And before yesterday, had a 6.23 ERA ever since coming back. But yet again, he had another good outing. Uh, He gave you seven innings, giving up only five hits on 5Ks on one earned run. And he officially has a 3.45 ERA. So shout out to Johnny yesterday getting the W moving to 4-1 and one on the season but they also did it with their lineup, and they're constantly getting home runs and luckily to open up the scoring for the Giants Evan Longoria did it with a guy on base High
1: drive Woodfield it is out of here and the Giants take the lead Stay hot, Evan Longoria. That was a sweet swing right there.
3: Now he was taken out of the game with some side soreness, and he will undergo an MRI. So we await the uh, the the progress of Evan Longoria because the injuries keep on coming. But then you also had a home run from Lamont Wade. <laughs> Lamont Wade out of nowhere, who was brought up from the uh, brought up from the from the minor leagues just because. You needed somebody, you needed bodies, and when Brandon Belt went down and then, uh, you know, all you really had to go off of was maybe Jason Vosler. you know, eventually they got Lamont Wade and with that glorious mustache. If there's anybody out of this team who has to shave their mustache because of mustache may, um, Yastrzemski and Austin Slater, I love you guys. I really do. But if you shave the mustaches, nobody's really going to miss them. But Lamont Wade absolutely needs to keep that mustache. He does. And he got in a right field yesterday. Uh, uh, You know, it was pretty cool. It was a cool moment. It was his first home run of the year. But as they continue to do it with guys who are relatively unknown, and then you also have Mauricio Dubon getting a home run for himself. I I mean, what he did over the weekend... He's helping reignite this Giants-Dodgers rivalry for Wood. I mean, if Dubon is not slowly becoming a fan favorite, then I don't know who else on this team will be. Maybe Kevin Gosman. Kevin Gosman had a lights-out start over the weekend, too. Um, but Dubon, <laughs> over the weekend against the Dodgers, when he hits the home run, gets the home plate, and you know puts the sh- sword in the sheath, bringing a call back to Trevor Bauer, they didn't forget about it. Um, but doing it on the bats of guys like that, that's what the Giants have continued to do all year, and they've remained consistent. But here is the one thing for me that stood out among everything else. So we had a play yesterday where there was a wild pitch. Now, it may not seem like much. Right In that 7th inning, that's when things for the Angels uh, just got worse and worse because Donovan Solano let off with a walk. Then Steven Duggar uh, ended up hitting a ground rule double. And then Tachman struck out. But this was after Wilmer Flores hit the double. Man, there was a play where there was a wild pitch. And it may not seem like much. But Donovan Solano came in to score. Steven Duggar goes to third. Then Wilmore Flores gets another hit, brings home a run, makes it 6-1 Giants. So I looked up the stats here. I looked up the stats for wild pitches. Very simple. Now, if you go to the team with the most amount of wild pitches, if you go to the staff with the most amount of wild pitches, you will look no further than Detroit. So far on the year... They've thrown 37 wild pitches. Then the second most, the St. Louis Cardinals, 36 wild pitches. Then the third most, 31 wild pitches, and that is by the Oakland Athletics. So you may be thinking, well, I mean, if the A's are up there in wild pitches, what does it matter? They're first in the American League West right now at 31 and 25. What does that matter? Well, those guys are in the 30s, and the Giants, they're at 11. They're at eleven on the year. The team with the only team with fewer wild pitches than the Giants there are the Washington Nationals, because tied with them at eleven are Miami and Toronto. Now I know it may not seem like much, but wild pitches can change the outcome of a game. You know they could turn it like it did yesterday into an inning where you know in the seventh it, you know it's starting to come to a close. Johnny Cueto just got done pitching. His night is done. Maybe we'll have a chance against the bullpen because we're certainly not getting anything done against Johnny Cueto. And then you have the wild pitch as runners are starting to get on base. Then Flores capitalizes on it with a double of his own, bringing home a run. Now, we can't count those wild pitches. I'm not going to sit here and act like I've gone back game by game and checked out every wild pitch that the Giants have had but these are the little things that matter in why the Giants are currently at where they're at right now, sitting atop the National League West at 34-20, and not only the National League West, but the National League in general. It's crazy the type of season that they're having right now. And really, the thing that gives me hope, man, is, you know, the rest of the National League is not looking great right now. The NL East... I mean, these guys have just been hampered by a ton of injuries. The Mets are the top team right now, but they're at 26 and 20. Then the next team up are the Braves, who are really good, but they've also been hampered by injury. They're at 25 and 26. And then in the Central, you got teams like the Cubs, Cardinals, and the Brewers. And the Cubs are in the same sort of spot that the Giants are in, in that they're currently in first place in their division. But going forward at the trade deadline, they might have to make some moves in order to try and help this stage that they're in, which is a period of construction, which is kind of where the Giants are at. They're they're just having a really good time doing it at the same time because these contracts are gonna run out eventually and it's not gonna look like the same team next season. But man, if the team if these teams in the National League are going like that. <sighs> I mean, who's to say the Giants can't do anything this year and make an impact? Either way, right now, it's just so fun to watch them play. It really is. And they're giving you a watchable brand of baseball. You know, anytime anytime someone asks me, why are you, why do you, why are you into that sport? It takes so long. It's 162 games. I can't take it. Well, if your team is at least playing well and giving you something to watch every day... Look, you'd love, obviously, to have playoff success. You would, and there's nothing like being the fan of a team that wins a uh, that wins a World Series. But that's not till months down the road. So with the regular season, as long as you have a team that you can feel like you watch every day and you want to tune in, they turn into appointment television, and you watch them against teams like the Dodgers and you feel like they have a chance, man, that's all I could really ask for right now. That's all I could really ask for. From the nine two five. This is interesting. This is one of the biggest changes that I've seen from year one to year two from Gabe Kapler over to the Giants fans. From the nine two five, Dodger fan here. SF management does a good job of putting players in a spot that maximizes their strengths to be successful. Saw this early, the Dodgers current current playoff run. LA didn't get over until they acquired a legit MVP winner type in bets. And that's what it's gonna take. You're right. That's absolutely what it's going to take. But when I think about guys putting their players in the best position to be successful, I just look back at last year and remember how Giants fans are uh, blaming Gabe Kapler for every single move. Every single move. This year, I haven't really heard it once. (laughs) Like, Like, I would come in here and just ask you straight up, like, hey, what do you think about Gabe Kapler? What do you think about the job that he's doing? The silence speaks volumes. It really does. Because last year, when the season started and, you know, we're we're just getting back into baseball, everyone's high on sports again, this is great, we got baseball back, but the amount of times that I was doing a 5am show or a weekend show and you'd have a series Like, say, that one against the Angels last season where Gabe Kapler left in Trevor Gott. People had already made their minds up about Gabe Kapler, the type of manager that he is. But this season, they've completely changed their tune. And they've realized that, hey, it's not just Gabe Kapler, by the way. It's all these coaches, these other coaches that they've hired. And it's not just Andrew Bailey or Kai Correa. It starts from the bottom up. All the way from the minor leagues to the major leagues. These dudes work with each other. And the moves that they are making, they absolutely have been making the right ones. And it's not just what he's been doing with the bullpen. But it feels like every single time uh Gabe Kapler calls in a pinch hitter, that pinch hitter does something right. He does something right. And not only that, he has been leaving his starters in. Leaving Cueto in for seven innings, giving up only five hits. That's what you want. That's what you want, because this bullpen, I don't know if they're very reliable, and you want to leave your starters out there as much as possible, as long as possible. And Gabe Kapler's been doing just that. Last week went through all the numbers as far as the average innings pitched per game um, for each starter. In each starter, the number is just about one or more innings higher than that of last season. So they're clearly doing something right. They're just a lot of fun to watch, man. They're a lot of fun to watch. But 888 9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. All right, coming up next, we got a lot more to get into from the weekend in sports because we got more fans acting like idiots in basketball. But I also think we kind of forget about the fact that fans in baseball are acting like idiots every single day, according to whenever these videos are posted to Barstool Sports. Uh, then you get Julio Jones... In that report about him possibly going to Seattle, well, John Clayton, of course you know him as the NFL Insider. He currently does a show up in Seattle. John Clayton was on the station yesterday, and he had some insight into the Julio Jones Seattle conversation. And if you are a 49er fan, I think you'd like what John Clayton is saying. So we'll get to all that next. 888 9570 Stephen Lightford in on the pregame show. 95.7 on the game.
2: Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. a 957
3: 9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. Spent the first half hour talking about... The Giants in their huge weekend against the Dodgers and continuing it against the Los Angeles Angels. I mean, that catch by Talkman on Friday, that thing was just so symbolic of everything with this Giants Dodgers rivalry. They'll go out there with one of the biggest names that we've known in baseball, one of the most recognizable faces in the sport you know we always talk about marketing players and you know there's always someone who brings up the Mike Trout thing if I saw Mike Trout walking down the street I wouldn't recognize Mike Trout well then go and look at a picture at Mike Trout then if you're really that bothered by not knowing who Mike Trout is like it's that simple but Albert Pujols being up to the plate being one of the most recognizable faces Hits one in the left. It looks like the Giants are going to be down second game in a row in this four-game series. The outcome, I mean, as the ball is in the air, you're just thinking, oh my god, I can't believe the Giants gave this up. But yet, an unknown in the 30-year-old Mike Tokmid, who you traded for Wandy Peralta at the end of last month, comes in and makes the snag and essentially keeps the Giants alive in their playoff hopes alive as they were made atop the NOS. So we talked about a lot of that uh, in the first half hour, and we will revisit it. But I do want to get into some basketball stuff here because fans continue to act like idiots, and this is the fifth instance of this sort of thing happening. But I do want to play this sound for you before we get to any of that, before we get to the serious stuff, because... There is one tiny tiny silver lining in the Warriors not being in the playoffs and that is Draymond Green being able to make an appearance on TNT on Inside the NBA taking over Shaq's place along with Ernie Johnson, Kenny the Jet Smith and of course Chuck a.k.a. Charles Barkley, or is it Charles Barkley, a.k.a. Chuck, whatever, but Draymond was on, and he was analyzing the Grizzlies and the Jazz at halftime. Let me say those words again. He was analyzing the Grizzlies and the Jazz at halftime. I mean, for one, shout out to Draymond for actually doing that, because that's got to be tough, in that series... You think that the Warriors should have been involved in that series for sure. They should have been the ones in there instead of the Grizzlies. But Kenny the Jet Smith is really, really good at stoking the flames. You know what I mean? he's really like he's a pro at it he did it all the way back a couple of years ago you remember that when uh clay thompson was in and they're talking about not being the best shooting team anymore and how that changes affects them whatever all that different stuff and then uh kenny the jet smith was the one who was kind of poking the bear because barkley was asking the question that kenny the jet smith's like i can't help but call him kenny the jet smith but he's like Man, Chuck, are you calling him out and just kind of being the agitator? Well, listen to Draymond Green at halftime of the Jazz and the Grizzlies. Kenny Smith, he has a point here with what he said after Draymond was given some analysis on Rudy Gobert's defense.
0: If they want to beat the Utah Jazz, let's make Rudy defend where he's uncomfortable because he's going to get involved defensively one way or another. So you get him involved where you want him at, or he's going to get involved where he wants to be at. And if he gets involved there, it's over. Hey, so wait, wait, time out. 1. Two, I have a qu- one point and two rebounds in the first I half, two question. fouls for Gobert. Yeah. Is the defensive player award given out yet? Yes. No, it has not. Oh, and so we're going to isolate Oh, Rudy, Rudy's lack of defense. When the candidate but, is up, hey, are you, are you, not, not, are you going at him so on the slide? Already. Hey, hey, that's hey, not talk, about lack of talk, defense, though. No. <laughs> hey, Chuck, Chuck. The votes are already. Chuck, <laughs> Chuck, he kind of went the whole episode. I had a guy who's
3: going to be a defensive player here the candidate can't play defense. <laughs> We know what happened with Draymond and Devin Booker saying, get my man out of Phoenix. And now my man in Phoenix, it looks like he's going to be taking round one against the Lakers and uh, helping his team possibly get to a championship within the Western Conference. So you had that already happen with Draymond last season. And now this year, he's clearly got a new motive. I totally believe everything that Kenny Smith is saying, you know, like that he wants to go after Gobert. Because Draymond is that smaller dude, right? He's the one who he feels like he's the best defender to ever play in the NBA. And now, when he's up there in the top three, along with Gobert and uh, and Ben Simmons, <laughs> when you're when you're this dude analyzing their defense, why wouldn't you point them out? Why wouldn't you say, attack him, make this, because he's probably going to win Defensive Player of the Year, Rudy Gobert, that is, make this dude work so that he can look bad on a national stage. That's the keys to the game I'm giving to Memphis. You can't, you can't find me for that. That's what I'd be saying if I'm Draymond Green. Hey, look, I'm not tampering. I'm not trying to add a guy to my team. I'm not saying he needs to get out of Utah. I'm not saying that Utah needs to blow things up. I'm not saying John Morant needs to leave Memphis. No, I'm just saying I need the Grizzlies to go at Rudy Gobert. That is the way that they're going to stop him. I love that. I love what Draymond did there. It was great. That was great. All right. So, we've talked a little bit about these fans and them going on to the court and and all these different things, what they've been doing. You had Russell Westbrook in the whole popcorn incident. Uh, you had, in that same night, someone catch on camera. It wasn't as obvious, but you had someone caught on camera at Madison Square Garden, Square Garden, Square Garden spitting at Trey Young. And so, we had that. Then, over the weekend... We also had a Celtics fan who threw a water bottle at Kyrie Irving. At Kyrie Irving, threw a water bottle. Now we know what happened to this dude, but here's what Kyrie Irving had to say uh, after that game, and what he and uh, when he was asked about the fan throwing the water bottle.
1: It's unfortunate, you know, that sports has come to a lot of this, uh, you know, kind of crossroads where. You're seeing a lot of old ways come up. It's been that way in history in terms of entertainment, performers and sports for a long period of time Of just underlying racism and just treating people like they're in a human zoo, you know, throwing stuff at people, saying things, you know, there's a certain point where it just gets to be too much. You know, I I called it out. I just wanted to keep it strictly basketball. And then you just see that people just feel very entitled out here. You know, they pay for the tickets. Great. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that coming in to watch a great performance but it's just you know we're not at the theater we're not throwing tomatoes and and other random stuff at the people that are performing you know it's just it's too much and it's a reflection on you know us as a whole when you have fans acting like that so you know hopefully people learn their lessons from being banned for however many years of being arrested but you know it's always going to be an occasion
3: so we had the fan do that and it's yeah, look i'm I'm actually putting the spitting at Trey Young. I'm putting that one at the top because that's just I mean that's just straight disrespectful in any setting, no matter what. And yeah, throwing a water bottle is the same way. And Kyrie has a point, you know and and I think that that's an issue that a lot of fans struggle with. It's it's that you know they feel like that these athletes, Uh, They dehumanize them. They make them seem like they're there just for entertainment and you could do whatever you want just because you paid for a ticket. Just because you paid for a ticket, it doesn't mean anything like that. And that fan who threw the water bottle faces an assault and a battery charge with a dangerous weapon charge, and he will be uh, arraigned Tuesday because the water bottle did graze Kyrie Irving's head. And I'm not trying to say... In any instance, that any athlete deserves to get a water bottle thrown at their head. Like, that's a little too extreme. But I don't know. When I saw Kyrie stomp on the logo after the game, after they just handled the Celtics 141 to 126, and after I saw him stomp and smear that logo, Like, nothing, no fan deserves to get involved in that. But is nothing going to happen to Kyrie Irving at all for doing that? Like, there gets to a point where that's just straight disrespect. Now, getting a water bottle thrown at him? Hell no. That's not the repercussion that I'm talking about here. But what is going to happen on the court? You know? Like, that is my main question. Because when he stomped on that logo, I thought... Oh, no. Oh, that's, that's different. That, that's different. Like, this is, this is something that goes kind of beyond the line there because just of how sacred the Boston Celtics are to the sport of basketball. And then Kevin Garnett goes on social media, and he didn't say that Kyrie deserved to have a water bottle thrown at him, but he said that is straight disrespect. We're just gonna act like we didn't see that, and he's like, "Do that? You can't do that. That's not cool on any level. All of us need to be better for real." I'm just saying. So, look, I don't know what's up with the fans. <laughs> I mean, the fans are going crazy. Let me let me grab the highlight real quick here because <laughs> we had a fan yesterday. And this is something we actually saw in baseball last week. We saw a fan when the game. It was a raining game, and they had to bring out the tarps. We saw a fan dive through the tube and crawl through the tube uh, naked. And I hope that fan's okay. But we had another fan during the third quarter yesterday of Wizards 76ers run out onto the court. Hachimura with the rebound. He's got 11. He's got a double-double tonight. Oh my goodness, Someone what is was going trying on to go out on the floor. And the diving tackle by the security. With 3.40 to go. And that's pretty much it. Uh, there wasn't much of a call after that. But there was a fan who dove onto the court. It's so small. I don't know what you're planning to gain. If you're running onto the baseball field, that's one thing. Because you got all hundreds of feet. And you got all manner of outfield to run around before security tackles you. It's the same with a football field, you got a one hundred yard football field that you can make moves on. Even more than that, even more than a hundred yards. But on a basketball court, there's really not much to gain when you are a fan running onto the court. That's just dumb. <laughs> like like that's just stupid. But I also think we are paying attention so much to these fans and what they're doing specifically to the players. Because going at the players is—it's what you want to focus on, and it's what you want to prevent. You want to bring in more security, other things like that. I, I look—I'm not a pro. I'm not Adam Silver. I don't know what kind of measures need to be taken in order to stop this type of fan interaction. But something that is far worse, and something that I've noticed a lot this year that we—that we tend to cheer. Or at least look on social media and kind of laugh at the whole thing. But when I see publications like Barstool Sports or Barstool Sports or Barstool Sports post the videos of fans fighting and it's like Chicago's back and you got a fan clubbing another fan in the head and no one's putting a stop to it cuz everyone's taking a video. We're 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 way past the World Star stage. Thank God. We are past that stage of people yelling World Star. But people are just taking videos on their phone, you know, going somebody stop them, somebody stop them as they're recording on their phone. I think that that's even a bigger problem because this has happened consistently with basketball and what they've been doing to the players and that needs to that needs to be done with. They needs it needs to be dealt with by Adam Silver for sure. But Rob Manfred has to do something about fans fighting in the stands in baseball stadiums. Cause that it's just it's at that point now where we're getting back into the swing of things. People might be excited, you know, they've had a, a, a few too many drinks, whatever it is. But it's just, I feel like the fighting in baseball amongst fans, because they're actual fights, straight up fist fights where someone could get seriously injured, it seems like nothing happens out of it except just a popular video where Barstool Sports posts on it, and then you get a bunch of comments about, like, well, if I, if I was there, I would have done something about it. It's like, shut up. No, you wouldn't. You know, it's like, I, I don't know. I, I'm just getting tired of everything and, uh, and, and and all this, you know, this fan interaction. It's like, can we just, you know, watch a basketball game? Like, I, I'm always going to go back to this, but that Friday night, uh, that Friday night matchup, with the Giants and the Dodgers when the Warriors and Grizzlies were playing on that same night. I'm telling you, when Trevor Bauer was leaving the mound, you know, he did his sword in the sheath thing. But when he was leaving the mound and he was waving to the crowd, everyone's booing him. Like, that's fun. You know, that's when it becomes fun. But then there's always the one fan who has to take it too far And I've never, uh, I personally, I've never seen someone do anything to a player live. I actually think a long time ago, I think I saw it in A Stadium, a couple of guys run out onto the field. Um, But I have seen fights over foul balls. A foul ball? (laughs) I've seen dudes just, just throw haymakers because one of them took their foul ball, and it still seems to be happening in baseball, and no one does anything about it. I think that that's actually an an even bigger problem than what's going on within basketball right now. Just come on, fans. Be better. That's all I'm saying. Be better. Uh, Okay. I do want to transition here. John Clayton. ESPN 710 in Seattle. NFL insider. You know John Clayton. Everybody knows John Clayton. We love John Clayton. And he was on the morning roast yesterday as Whitey Gleason and Dan Devone were filling in for the regular crew. And John Clayton was on yesterday because there was the report that Seattle could be in on the Julio Jones sweeps takes. And John Clayton, if you're a 49er fan, John Clayton should make you feel pretty good this morning. Here's what John Clayton had to say when he was asked about Julio Jones going to Seattle and how much there is to the report.
2: I mean, it's kind of like the uh, Russell Wilson trade talk. What John Snyder does, their general manager, is you know he gets himself involved in just about any deal that's out there just so he can have the knowledge of where things are going. But look at the reality of things. They took a second-round pick and put it in Dwayne Eskridge, who uh, they think now can be their number three wide receiver. They've got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, and they only have $6.7 million of cap room. So you're telling me, that they're going to give up a second-round pick next year, but you know to eat up all that cap room and all those different things, it doesn't make any sense. Sure, you can study it, you can look at it, you can consider it, but in the end it won't happen here in Seattle because, again, they don't have the cap room to be able to do that.
3: All right. So, there you go. <laughs> Julio to Seattle, probably not happening. And I'm not surprised that all these teams are, you know, getting at the forefront of these reports. That's just what happens anytime a big name player goes out there like this because, you know, you want one team to think that they're involved so that these other teams might pay higher because here's the reason. Cuz John Clayton was asked about the 49ers, and whether they're in the running for Julio Jones. And here's what John Clayton had to say.
2: I think that they got to be somewhere in the top three as far as the ability to acquire him. They have the cap room to be able to do it. Uh, now that the demand is not a first-round pick, because obviously San Francisco, the Rams, and Seattle didn't have first-round picks next year, you know, they can be in the mix. And so it would really give them an amazing three-receiver unit. But then the only issue would be, okay, so how does that change the two-back formation with Cal Usyk and the two tight ends that they might use. So I think that uh, you know they're in the final three to be able to make a deal like that because they have the cap room to be able to do it, and certainly they have the desire to do it.
3: And there you go. There you go. That's why there was some sort of rumor swirling with – Seattle. Seattle knows. because I mean, you heard Clayton talk about it there. He's just like, they don't have the cap space. They just drafted a second rounder, Dwayne Eskridge, to be their third wide receiver. Disrespect to Swain, Freddie Swain. (laughs) I think that was the third wide receiver on the Seahawks roster. But he's saying, look, there's no chance. They don't have the salary cap. They don't have the room in the salary cap to do it. They just spent the second rounder on a wide receiver this year. Why would they do that? And then you hear John Clayton say, well, the Niners are in the top three as far as being able to acquire him. So, I mean, who's to say that someone in Seattle isn't just going to a reporter and saying, hey, we're interested in Julio Jones. We're very interested in Julio Jones. We don't have any of the salary cap to do it. We don't. We we just use a second router on a wide receiver. It doesn't matter. Just tell the people that we're in on Julio too, so that the Cardinals or the Niners can try and overpay. That's what Seattle's doing. That's what Seattle's doing, and they're clearly not in on the sweepstakes. So I really wouldn't worry about that too much. And I'm at that point now where, you know, before all the allegations happened, when the Deshaun Watson thing was going on, I'm just like. Please just tell me where he's going. <laughs> like, like, I want to know now because this is getting excruciatingly painful uh, trying to dissect where he's going to go. I just I, I just want it to happen. Please. Oh, man. What a fun day today. It's the first of the month. I had a great time yesterday. Hope you all had a good Memorial Day. I watched Cruella yesterday. Great movie. Great soundtrack. Highly recommend if you're comfortable with going to a movie theater that you go and see Cruella. Highly recommend it. But tonight, we do have yet more baseball as the Giants look to continue and stay hot against the Angels. Tonight, they're playing at 645. And uh, the morning roast is going to be coming up next as I try and filibuster my way when I check out who the starting pitchers are for the Giants because I did not prepare for this very moment. You got Alex Wood on the mound at a 2.44 ERA, and he's going up against Andrew Haney. And, man, when I'm watching this team, there's nobody, in my opinion, maybe besides the Padres and the Dodgers, but there's nobody they can go up against where I'm saying, nah, they, they, the other team, I'm scared. Like, I'm not. I'm really not at this point because the Giants are playing a clean brand of baseball and one where they're getting some good outings out of their starting pitching and having that bend-but-don't-break type of bullpen. All right, coming up next, the morning roast with Bate Hill, Kate Scott, and Joe the butcher Shasky. They're going to be joined by Dave Fleming at 8 o'clock as well as Jeremy Fowler. But thanks so much, everybody. Have a good, what is it, Tuesday? Have a good Tuesday. Tune in the roast now.